try this again. <laughs> we're going to look back on this and we're going to laugh because this is the second attempt at our recording this. So hopefully Clean Feet will cooperate this time. Uh, yes, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. You did not just tune in to a random technological bis- bitch session. This is the Witten Whiskey cast. I am Mark Rossetti Jr. Uh, and I am, of course, accompanied by the man who this week has the pigeons, <laughs> DJ Gagnon. Hey, everybody, fuck those pigeons. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's what you're doing to them, maybe that's why the internet isn't working. <laughs> Uh, you're going to have to bear with us, folks. We're a little slappy here. We were a good third of the way through the episode before just all technological hell broke loose. Yeah. But that's okay. Uh, we are going to do another one of our uh, fairly legendarily infamous hot takes episodes. And I think this one is going to drive off our listeners uh, in droves because we're going to do music, the entirety of music, all 2,000 years of you know, written down sound and organized musical composition. We are going to tell you what sucks and what's good. Yeah, weirdly the hardest episode I've had to prep for. Parts of it, yeah. I mean, the underrated was pretty difficult for me. The overrated, well, I guess the overrated was hard paring it down to three. <laughs> um, but the Whereas underrated, for me, it was hard paring it down for underrated. Oh, well, see, there we go. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Um, what did you do this week? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, this is my first week at the new job and, uh, it's been, it's been a lot. It's kind of kicking my ass, but in a, in a good way, I'm kind of moving into that technical leadership role, um, kind of leaving the, the code behind. So, um, a a lot to learn. I'm ending up with like a hundred questions a day that I, I am beleaguering my, my poor peers with, but uh, why did the internet crash? (laughs) Why didn't the recording save when the internet? No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but aside from that, you know, Mark mentions the internet crashing. Uh, I, I had to completely replace both my modem and router who, uh, yesterday because they decided to shit the bed in the middle of the night. And the bugs are just worked out completely from the system. Yeah, clearly. I should have rebooted my laptop uh, after all of that. But my, it's all good, folks. Everything's fine. We're all good now. We're not bitter or anything. No, no. It, I mean, slightly. But it's fine. Um, but I also, uh, it, it was kind of momentous for my family this weekend. You know, we, um, due to my, my brother being in the Marines and, and all sorts of other uh, fun family th- dynamics. Uh, it, it was the first time in about f- six or seven years that uh, my two brothers, my dad and I, were all in the same room together, and we all had our partners, and it was just a nice hang. So uh, that was that, it. Was pretty delightful. How about you, man? It's been a busy week. I mean, it, you know, it seems like it flew by just from the last time we were in the studios recording. Um, for work the last couple of years, we've done a sort of road rally, historical site scavenger hunt type deal. And it's in August, so every year about this time we start advertising it. So to advertise it, I take the Roadster out and do a pinup photo shoot with one of the uh, young ladies that I work with. She dons a period cosplay of some description for whatever theme we're going for. And then we take some pictures and run some filters over them. So we did that this week, uh, which... The wife joined in as well, 
Nice. And that was monumentous because it was both the first and the last time that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, hey, we got some good pictures out of it and we'll never speak of it again. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we're parallel in a lot of ways here. I am going to be taking sort of a lateral step in my job as well, although nowhere near to the extent that you are. I'm mostly just going to be based out of uh, a different building uh, for a couple days out of the week as opposed to being in my office pretty much every day as I am now. So I'm cleaning out a space over in our museum building and trying to get that office ready to go and just finding things my predecessors left and things that we accepted that I have no idea why we accepted them or who we accepted them and, you know, paperwork from the 70s or the 80s and it's just... It's been wild. I mean, we're going on nine days now to clean out this office and just, oi, Lord help me. Yeah. Uh, and we also had some family come in. Annie's uh, godparents, her aunt and uncle, came in for uh, the weekend for the first time in literal years because the wife's birthday is actually tomorrow as we record this. Oh, wow. So they came in for a little early birthday thing, and we hadn't seen them in forever, and I got to bartend for people again, like not like to go and work, but just to bartend at like a quasi party or social event. And I have learned so much about whiskey and cocktails and the things since, because the last time I saw them was long before the old W and W. So there were smoke cocktails, smoke Manhattans all the way around for everybody. Amazing. Well, happy birthday to Annie. Oh yes. Thank you. I I will let her know. She's just literally counting down the hours. She's like a little kid at Christmas. (laughs) But hey, speaking of smoked, what are you drinking? Because I know it's smoked. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. So uh, first of all, shout out to my good buddy, Ryan. Uh, we exchanged uh, different bottles of whiskey for our birthdays this year. And so I promised him that in season three, I'd, I'd review his pick. So uh, he got me a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. Hey, there you go. I've drank, God, my share of that stuff, your share of that stuff, probably Ryan's share of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, 80 proof for anybody who's uh, keeping count. Uh, it, it's a pretty accessible, albeit, uh, it's, it's up there. Um, you know, it's definitely not blue label, but, uh, you know, the, the amount of times that Mark and I are going to be able to drink blue label in our lives is pretty sparse. So, um, yeah, it's good. It's, uh, definitely got that really intense, like wood and smoke flavor. It's, it's got a little bit of that, that, uh, there's, there's, it's definitely not Odebog. Uh, you know, it's not a Lagavulin. It's not, it's not super peaky, it peaty. Um, but it definitely has that, that scotch quality that I, I, I'm always going to prefer a rye or a bourbon uh, or even a Japanese whiskey over scotch. But uh, in terms of, of scotches, this is a great one. Um, so if, you, if you're looking for something to get somebody as a gift or to treat yourself, uh, Johnny Black Label is great. Uh, I definitely recommend it. I will say, Mark, one of the points that I wanted to make was that um, on the website, when you go to look at Johnny Walker Black... On the Johnny Walker ble- uh, website, they definitely recommend either drinking it on the rocks or as a scotch and soda. So, um, eat me. I mean, it's okay. I've moved on from scotch. 
Well, actually, no. Have I moved on from Scotch or has Scotch moved on from me with what you're telling, what you're reading there? Um, <laughs> I, you know, no. Uh, all jokes aside, especially in college, I drank a lot of Johnny Black on the rocks. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things. I mean, I've also dr- drank a lot of Johnny Black neat, too. Um, I just, I'm not a Scotch and soda guy. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I love it. It's a great way to kind of, I, I would recommend anybody who's looking to gain that whiskey palette. I kind of wish somebody had told me this when I was getting into it. Like a, a scotch and soda or a whiskey and soda is a great way to introduce yourself to whiskey without, without immediately just punching yourself in the face with whiskey. And that's fair. I can't argue that. Yeah. But this is probably my last stop on the Johnny Walker tour for, for at least season three for a while. I've, I, I've done Red. I've done uh, Jane Walker. Now I've done Black Label. Uh, I'm going to probably pause before I get any more expensive up there. Yeah, because there's, yeah. I mean, the next step is double black, and that's that's a pretty big jump unless you really want to go green or 18 or blue or any of the one-offs. Although, at least around here you can find a lot of the Game of Thrones bottles pretty cheap. Yeah. I guess they made way too many of those, but I couldn't even tell you what's in them. It might just be red or black in a different bottle. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, who knows. But, anywho, what are you drinking, buddy? Well, I am drinking my favorite rye. Now, key phrase here, this is not the best rye I've ever had. But this is my favorite rye. I, I like this even more than I love my beloved wild turkey rye. <laughs> I am drinking uh, Knob Creek's 100 proof rye. Amazing. Uh, you might remember I reviewed Knob Creek nine year bourbon in a previous episode. Well, this is my usual Knob Creek mainstay. Now, it's interesting because if you go on a lot of review sites, they really poo poo this. Because it's, you know, Knob Creek is the up label for Jim Beam. So it comes out of the Jim Beam distillery. So everybody's immediately putting their noses in the air and saying, oh, this is what the Poles drink. Oh, shut up. Knob Creek is great. And uh, they also poo-poo it because Jim Beam does not uh, disclose the actual mash bill for the Knob Creek rye, which has led to scurrilous rumors that it might be, quote-unquote, barely legal. It might be at or around only 51% rye. But Jim Beam refuses to confirm nor deny this. So because of that, you see a lot of websites poo-poo it. I love this. And uh, before I get into the proper review, I'm going to tell you an anecdote, just because I let you know it's not just me. For years before COVID... Uh, work would send me every year to the Small Museums Association Conference. It was in College Park, Maryland. Uh, great conference for, you know, historical society, small museums, things like that. And the hotel was the greatest because the name of the hotel was just The Hotel. <laughs> and the bar in the lobby was called The Lobby Bar. And all historians are drunks. So every night when the conference was over, we'd all go to the lobby bar, and you would actually network, and you would just drink and drink and drink and drink. And they had a whiskey menu, and they had a rye page on the whiskey menu. And so the last year we went, 
uh, a few of my colleagues from the Historical Society and I, we made friends with a young lady named Laurel from Philadelphia. Shout out, Laurel, if you're listening. Don't know why you would be, but hey, shout out. <laughs> and she was say, she heard me order a rye, and she said, oh, I've always wanted to try rye, but I've never had any. And we got back and forth, and we were asking questions, and she said, well, if I was to get one right now, what would I get? And I said, the Knob Creek 100, right over there. And she said, oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. And... You know, didn't think anything of it. She didn't. She ordered something else. Maybe a half hour, 45 minutes later, she asked the bartender, who had not overheard our conversation. She said, I want to try your eye. What would I try? And the bartender said, the best one we have is this, and pulled the bottle of Knob Creek off the shelf. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but it's good. I mean, it has that rye bite right at the hit. Uh, so I don't know. They claim it's only 51%. You definitely get the rye bite. You get some pepper after it. It has kind of a really spicy undertone to it. And then it mellows out to sort of a charred wooden, like almost like an oak or a hickory. And you get some smoke at the end. Smoke is the underlying theme of the day. And then you just get that nice burn because it's 100 proof. But you still get the layers of flavor at the beginning, and then you get that nice whiskey burn at the end. Nice. I'll have to see if I can get it around here. It's usually between forty to forty-five dollars. I was lucky this week. Full disclosure: I got it on sale. It was thirty-three ninety-nine, and you've never seen a happier fat kid in your life. You mean a sale in PA on whiskey? I know. <laughs> Literally, they, they uh, a few of the state stores have gone to having security guards because some shoplifting is ramped uh, ramped up considerably during the COVID. And the store I was in was not my usual one, and this one had a security guard. And he heard me just giggling like a schoolboy, and he kind of laughed and gave me that knowing look like, I know. Because <laughs> there was a lot of whiskeys on sale this week for whatever reason. Uh, I guess for Father's Day. Probably for Father's Day. Um, but it was, it was a big day. But yeah, Knob Creek 100, if you like rye, it is fantastic. It's a good sipping rye, and it's good in a Manhattan as well. I love it. That's so good. So that's that. That's what I'm drinking. And I'm almost gone because we've already done this twice. <laughs> I need a se- I need a second glass here. I know, right? <laughs> oh God! All right, what are we doing now? Whiskey news? I don't have my notes in front of me. I'm all kerfluffled here. <laughs> yeah, you're up with whiskey news, my baby. <laughs> all right, so wait, see, we got to work on that. I can't do two segments in a row here. This is gonna tank our ratings. <laughs> All right. So, you know, this was fun because this was a continuation of what we talked about last week. Last week, we said that metal band Guar has a rye out. Well, I found something else in that vein. There's apparently a trend going. And this actually ties in really well with our topic this week, because in the spirit of really overrated bands, uh, Metallica has a whiskey coming out, (laughs) a blackened bourbon, uh, as they're calling it. Uh, and apparently they had a or initial run in August of 2018, if I'm uh, reading this right. But now they're coming back out with the new Black Album Enhanced Batch. Um, so it's going to use a signature Black Noise Sonic Enhancement project process, which I imagine they just probably put a set of speakers right up against the barrel and just shake the shit out of the whiskey. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that's what I'm headcanoning. Does it do uh, it? Well, they claim that the batch of whiskey is tuned to the note by their iconic 1991 self-titled album. So, no. (laughs) Uh, It's a 750 mil 
from batch 114 of, I'm trying to find out who actually has produced this, and I can't find it in my notes here. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's a typical Metallica thing. Everyone helping them to the top doesn't matter, and it's all about them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, now available through blackenedwhiskey.com and in select stores in various states. Um, just I'm going to click on Blackened Whiskey here and just see how much it actually is. Uh, I did that for you. It's $50. Oh, well, see, at least they're more reasonable than Guar. Guar's was a couple hundred. So at least they're more reasonable than Guar. I'm still not going to buy it. But uh, there you go. So apparently bands having their own whiskeys is a thing. Uh, who knew? Yeah. I'm sure Kiss has one out. I'll have to go looking for next week because Kiss has literally everything from coffins to condoms, and both of those are real things, by the way. So I'm sure they have a whiskey out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no, sorry. Limited batch 114 is $80. That's still not bad compared to Guar. It's true, but, I mean, at least somebody's heard of Metallica. It's true. (laughs) All right, take us to Tools of the Trade. Save us from ourselves. All right, Tools of the Trade this week... uh, and and I think Mark will start to see a theme uh, eventually here, but uh, I, I... I don't know. I'm pretty thick. I decided to research bar spoons, and uh, <laughs> I've been... Of course fa- you did. I, I've been fascinated with bar, st- st- uh, bar spoons and, you know, stirring cocktails and, and mixing glasses and... I uh, catch my drift, Mark. All right, so um, bar spoons are really fascinating. Uh, there's some really interesting history with bar spoons. They actually go all the way back to ancient Egypt. Uh, there, you know, I love the bar spoon. Uh, honestly, I didn't actually know much about the bar spoon before I went to my bartending class. Uh, but I did grow up, my, my dad really liked tall iced teas, so he used to have like a bunch of iced tea spoons in the house. And uh, bar spoons have a very particular shape. You know, one end is the, is the spoon, at the other end is usually, you know, something pa- capped in a plastic um, cap, which I didn't realize this, but most of the time, uh, the other end of the bar spoon is for... Um, it's an ice pick. It's for chipping an ice. Do you know that, okay. Mark? That, that makes sense. I, I didn't know this, but uh, that, that was pretty cool. And that's usually why it's covered, because it's, it's a bit sharp. Um, and then it, the, the long handle of a bar spoon is twisted into a, a spiral. And uh, I thought I knew why this was put in a spiral, uh, and I was actually pretty surprised. Mark, do you know why the middle of a bar spoon has a spiral? Uh, I believe, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I believe it's for fluid dynamics when you're mixing it up. Uh, yes and no. I mean, there there is there's technically two reasons. The first one is that it makes it easier for you to make this like that professional bartender stirring motion. Um, the other reason is. Uh, the, the spiral in the spoon uh, didn't come until later in the life of the bar spoon, and it's actually for layering cocktails. Uh... Yeah, so if you're making a layered cocktail like a B-52, uh, you, instead of you know pouring it into the drink and kind of using the back of the spoon to layer it, you can just 
pour it down the spiral, and the spiral slows the liquid down into the drink and makes it so that they don't mix, and you can kind of get that nice layered drink. It shows you the last time I've made a proper layered drink. Yeah. Uh, for Now, depending on which bar spoon you get, like the one that I have has the plastic cap. You pull it off, it's, it's an ice chip. There are some that have like a flat nail head on the end, and that is kind of the, the second level of that layering of drinks. You can turn the bar spoon upside down, put it into a shot glass, and kind of spiral the alcohol down. And that's how you, you know, you can very easily make a B-52 that way. There's a lot of other layered drinks, and I've made quite a few, but B-52 seems to be the most relatable to people, so. Uh, I'm, like, Googling what's even in that, because I don't think I've ever had a B-52. Oh, B-52s are delicious. There's, um, I think, is it Chambord? Or is it the other one? Bailey's Grand Mariner and Coffee Liqueur. Yeah, Grand the first The yeah. first recipe that came up, anyway. Yeah, that's it. I've made some layered drinks with um, with Chambord before, and that's pretty good, too. Uh, so really, they kind of come in three different kinds of that you can get, and they're all end caps. One is that flat nail head for layering. The, uh, you know, the second is the ice pick. The third one is some of them actually come with a muddler on the end, so it's kind of an all-in-one bar tool, um, and, and that's pretty cool, so... Bar spoons. Uh, if you're if you're interested in it, and you like the shape, get into stirring cocktails. It's pretty awesome. See, we, we should have fun. You know, we should keep this theme. Next week, you should do the absinthe spoon. I have one of those. I think I might have two. Because absinthe is just fun to begin with. It, it's very good. Uh, I will talk about absinthe at some point because it's hard to use unless you know what you're doing. I mean, I just drink it over sugar, but okay. <laughs> the Green Fairy, baby. Look it up. All right. I guess we can start with the topic du jour. Yeah, we should. Now, do we want to start with overrated or do we want to start with underrated? Uh, you know me. I got that positive bunny energy. I want to end on a good note. All right. So we got to start with overrated. Then. Yeah. All right. And so I'm going to go with... The person that, in my opinion, is probably the most overrated. The person, in my opinion, you know, again, full disclosure, when we when we talk about uh, overrated and underrated for anything, overrated does not mean bad. Underrated does not necessarily mean good. But this first one, I just struggle to see any appeal whatsoever. And that's Joe Cocker. Uh, excuse me? Joe Cocker was a guy from England. He's apparently dead now. Uh, I had to look up whether or not he was still alive, and apparently he died a couple years ago. And he was just a cover artist. Like, if you literally, if you Google, does Joe Cocker, it fills in, have any original songs. (laughs) It automatically fills it in. And apparently he does. I never heard of any of them. None of them were remotely successful. All of his successful stuff were covers. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy going to a local bar and having a few drinks and seeing a cover band. I enjoy jamming with people and doing covers. When I fiddle with my bass, I do covers. I don't do a lot of original stuff. I don't think that you should be listed on the Rolling Stone magazine top 100 artists of all time as a cover band. Um, I mean, he was knighted by the Queen. Why? 
It it says he he wrote five songs. Woo! There you go. I've five never, songs. I've never heard any of these. No, exactly. Um, his voice is unique. I hesitate to call it good, but it's unique. And that goes far in the music business. See Janis Joplin, for instance. Mm. But I think I have cracked why Joe Cocker is so popular. And it has nothing to do with him or his music or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's the Wonder Years. Because they used his version of A Little Help With My Friends for the intro. Ah, okay. And that show was insanely popular. And so by association, he became insanely popular. I had the biggest crush on Winnie. I mean, I think most of us did. Or mm-hmm. Topanga. You were either a Winnie fan or a Topanga fan. Winnie, of course, all the way. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, that's that. He's, you know, he won, what, he won one Grammy. He was nominated for one, two, three, four, five. I mean, again, he was nominated for four Grammys as Best Male Rock. Nothing he does is rock. It's mildly bluesy, but I mean, really, he's kind of a lounge singer. I, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, it's dad rock at best, and you know, I rem- I'm old enough to remember when Guns N' Roses' "Appetite for Destruction" came out, the album, mm-hmm. and everybody and their brother was slagging off of it because a bunch of the songs on it were covers, and they're like, "These are just a cover band. How are they? How are they going to go anywhere?" Um. Like, you all like Joe Cocker. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to get loads and loads of hate tweets, you know. Um, I wish Nuno was here. Nuno being the actual musician, maybe he could tell me what the fuck the appeal to Joe Cocker is, but I don't get it. (laughs) Go ahead. You start. Overrated. Uh, All right. Overrated. Uh, So, my first overrated... I'm going to get murdered on the internet. You know this, right? You've seen these choices. I have, I mean, I knew two of them that were coming, and I was like, I don't know if he's actually going to do that, but you're, you're lucky. You live in the wilds in New Hampshire, so you're going to be pretty hard to track down. Yeah, don't tell people. Uh, so my first one <laughs> is The Beatles. Yeah. <sighs> I, Send all of your hate mail to thewittenwhiskeycast at gmail.com. <laughs> Subject line, DJ, what the fuck? Yeah, so I have a... I have a thing about the Beatles. It's actually Holly's favorite game to play in the car. Um, because Holly is a monster and just sets her phone to, uh, like, just shuffle her entire music library. I must interrupt you briefly and just point out that Holly is part of the most popular trailer we've ever done by far. <laughs> so is. while you may think she's a monster, our listening public does not. But go ahead. Uh, I love my wife. She is a monster. And Good she, save. Yeah. Good fucking save. And, and what she likes to do is uh, when she's driving, she'll just put her entire music collection on shuffle and then she'll like wait and look at my face with every new song that comes up until it's a Beatles one and then laugh. Because I don't, I don't do this on purpose, but anytime I hear a song by the Beatles sung by the Beatles... My it, my face turns sour, like I get like I get a little queasy, and I have like a visceral reaction to hearing the Beatles. I just don't like their sound. I don't like the 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 recording quality. I I don't like their songs. I had I feel like when you're 
in elementary school, like all you ever hear is like yellow submarine. Uh, and that's like one of the songs everybody has to learn on the recorder. It's just, I didn't grow up loving the Beatles. I don't love the Beatles now. I have a great deal of respect for them as artists. And I've even been to, uh, that really cool place in central park in New York. That's dedicated to, um, strawberry fields. Yeah. Strawberry fields. I've been to strawberry fields. I literally stood in the middle of it. Uh, and it was, it, it was powerful and I have a really, I really have a great amount of respect for them and for all of the inspiration that they they did for future artists, but I don't like them. I think they're overrated. Now, I have to ask, you said you don't like their sound. Do you also not like other British invasion groups? Um, well, we're going to get to this later, so I don't really want to, like, I, I, I don't want to bury the lead too much here, but I uh, there is some British invasion groups I do like, uh, namely the 1975 comes to mind. Okay. But they're super recent, like in the last, you know, 10, 12 years. I mean, because we're 0 for 2 on the British, because, you know, I didn't know Joe Cocker was English till I looked up whether or not he was alive. I mean, he sounds like he's from a truck stop in yeah. fucking Georgia. But he's apparently English. So we're over two on England. Yeah, I, I keep trying for the Beatles. And everybody I talk to is like, oh, you just haven't heard. I have listened to so much of the Beatles. And there are some songs that I I think are pretty okay. But I never, like, my favorite Beatles song is um, Everyone's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey. All right, hang on. Time out. Is this a bit... No, this is a real song. It's on no, the way. I know it's a real song, but it's also my favorite Beatles song. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked you again, is this a bit? It's not a bit. I swear to God, that is my favorite Beatles song. It's the only Beatles song I will actually like dance to. And, and, and you know, it, it's a bop. But uh, every time I talk to Beatles fans, it's the one song they've never heard of. Well, uh, I'll, you know, if I can interject again. Years ago, when I was in high school and was obviously still living at home, my parents had their entire interior redone. Yeah. And the uh, contractors who were doing it were four brothers. And they were, I shit you not, a Beatles tribute band. (laughs) So they would be working during the day, and they would just sing during the day while they worked. And if you were downstairs, like, reading a book or something, you didn't fucking know it wasn't the Beatles. Like, you thought somebody left an album on or something. These guys were good. And the one day they were just fucking around and they're like, oh, do you have any requests? And I said, yeah. And everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. And they all get quiet and they're like, wow, no one's ever requested that before. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. It's not a popular song, I guess. Yeah. That's when I knew I was never going to be a Beatles fan. The White Album is the only one that I actually own in its entirety. I like maybe two or three songs on it. The rest of them are okay. I just, I can't do it, guys. I can't do it. Now, I will say everything, uh, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey aside. I tend to agree with DJ that the Beatles are overrated with their later stuff. When they got hard on the drugs, I don't get it. But their earlier albums, when they were playing in the Cavern Club, 
you know, help, all that, I really enjoy when they're more of a pop sort of British invasion band. And yes, I know before you write in, a lot of their early stuff was covers. I know. But they wrote their own shit, too. They weren't Joe Cocker. <laughs> so, don't, so don't come at me with that. Amazing. All right, are we doing all the overrated and then going to underrated, or are we bouncing back and forth? Yeah, you know, let's get all the hate out of the way. (laughs) All right, fair. Fuck it, let's do it. Uh, Speaking of things I don't get because they're on drugs, Dave Matthews Band, overrated as fuck. I I think I agree with you. I do like the Dave Matthews Band, but I do think they're overrated. I think Dave Matthews fans go fucking nuts. Yes, um, and it's, I am not straight edge by any stretch of the imagination. I consume far too much whiskey. I drink way too much beer. I am smoking a cigar as we're recording this, <laughs> but I don't dabble in hallucinogenics. I don't care if you do. Hey, knock yourself out. I'm a libertarian, but I personally just don't do that. I think you have to be on drugs to appreciate Dave Matthews. The songs are way too long. <laughs> they're not very good musically. I mean, they're just kind of noise and they repeat and they loop over and over and over and over again. The lyrics make no sense to anyone. They're a lot like later Beatles songs. I mean, later Beatles songs make no sense. Mm. And I'm sorry, but his voice has Dave. Has anyone seen Dave Matthews naked? Does <laughs> he have two testicles? It's just so high-pitched and squeaky and whiny and... God damn it, Mark. I don't want to know what's beyond the explicit tag in iTunes. I just... I don't get it. I'm, I'm sorry. I know it's sort of like a phase everyone goes through from when they're 16 to 25, roughly. And it's not even like a hippie jam band thing. I went to an Umphreys McGee concert at the House of Blues in Boston, and I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Mm. Because they played for a while, but the songs structurally made sense. They were well-produced musically. And I could understand what the singer was saying when he sung. Mm. Uh, So it's not just like a hippie jam band thing. I like the Grateful Dead to an extent. I like it a lot more than I like Dave Matthews Band. It's just, I have never understood that. Uh, Lou and I used to go back and forth when we were living together. Before I moved in, he hung a huge, like probably four foot by four foot poster of Dave Matthews in our apartment just to piss me off. <laughs> uh, and it was funny. I'll give him that. It was really funny. But I just, I, I don't get it. I'm sorry. He at least writes his own stuff, though, so he's ahead of Joe Cocker. I rank him ahead of Joe Cocker. Yeah, I, I did go through a phase where I got super into Dave Matthews. I at this point there's like a few songs off of one album that I I regularly listen to but it's not I probably haven't listened to them in a couple of years. Yeah, I just, you know, I I don't know. Maybe, you know, weed is going to be legal in Pennsylvania probably really soon and there's going to be dispensaries everywhere. So who knows, maybe one night I'll get desperate and, you know, roll a joint and listen to Dave Matthews and maybe I'll get it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Give us your second one. (sighs) All right. Um, I'm sorry to everybody, but my second one is Queen. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Um, Again, a case of, I I mean, 
I the pride community is very important to me. Freddie Mercury as like I one of my queer ancestors is incredibly important to me and I really 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 have tried to like Queen. Honestly at this point I I think I kind of get Bohemian Rhapsody mostly because Lou decided to play it and nothing but it on the way to your house a couple of years ago. <laughs> With me in the car. So uh, I like Bohemian Rhapsody due to Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> uh, and I can occasionally listen to Under Pressure, but other than that, like, honestly, half of the Queen's, the, the Queen hits are like sports anthems uh, in the U.S. And I'm just, I can't, I can't get behind it, man. We Will Rock You? Mm, can't do it. Just makes me think of needing to be in pep rallies in high school. Um, I just keep listening to Queen, waiting for some sort of revelation, and uh, I don't get it. With both the Beatles and Queen, I feel like I'm just kind of outside in the cold while everyone else is having a house party. I don't get it. I think they're kind of overrated. And it's not my era of music, so... The way you feel about Queen is the way I feel about Dave Matthews. That's fair. Many a college party, I stood in the corner going, why? <laughs> I just keep trying with the Beatles and Queen, and it just has not panned out. And I've been trying for over a decade, folks. But, all right, what's your last one? Overrated. You too. I <sighs> just... And somewhere the old man is readying a shovel to hit me about the head and shoulders. I I think U2 has a couple of really good bops. My biggest complaint with U2, um, and the, well, I have a few. And the first one isn't their fault. The first one is they're horrifically overplayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is more an indictment of the modern radio station record company thing that we have going on because of MP3s and everything. That's not their fault. But you cannot turn on any type of classic rock or rock or vinyl or any type of station like that. Every third song will be a U2 song. Mm. And it's just, they just, yeah, no. The other thing I hate about them is just how bloody political everything is. I mean, like, th- that's their whole thing, is they're just, they're a super pack being a band. <laughs> and I know, I know, it's very, you know, American right-wing to sit here and go, why does everything have to be political? But it's like, I just, I'm at a point in my life now, you believe what you want to believe, anybody can believe what they want to believe, but I don't listen to music for politics. I don't. I know a lot of bands are political, but U2 is very in your face about it. Same thing with R.E.M. That's why I don't listen to R.E.M. anymore. Like, it's just, it's almost brainwashing. And I just, I don't like it. And the other thing is, they are just a softer, older, lamer version of the Dropkick Murphys. You know, they're just a wannabe angry Irish band. But they're not really angry, and they want you to go vote. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, eh. I mean, I thought South Park did it great when, you know, the, they had the whole episode where Bono was the biggest piece of shit ever recorded in human history. I thought that was fantastic. It was brilliant satire. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I do think it's interesting, though, that in the 1970s, for a while, before they became U2, 
they were touring as a band called The Hype. And that is so fitting, because that's all U2 is. They're just hype. <laughs> so go back to your old name. You certainly but again, have opinions. Again, well, hey, again, they write their own stuff, so they're above Joe Cocker. <laughs> so I will give them that. That's fair. They're also very commercial. They were the only band that if you, that I, well, the ones that I did for this, that if you Google them, their official website is the first result. Yeah, I mean, they also, anybody who has an iPhone has one of their albums for free. Yeah, and that's not creepy or anything. It was creepy. But yeah, U2 is no bueno. Um, do we want to do our honorable mention now, or do we want to do a, do a fourth round with the honorable mention? Oh, do your honorable mention. Pearl Jam. Don't get them. And it's not a grunge thing. I like Nirvana. I like the Foo Fighters. You know, I just, I don't like Pearl Jam. And again, I think it's Eddie Vedder. I don't like his voice. I just, I don't like screechy, whiny. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, if you're going to do sort of grunge, you have to sound like you're tormented and like you're, you, you know, the world is picked on you and like you're going to go and uh, get killed by your wife, but everyone says it was a suicide with a shotgun. Uh, but no, he's just a sad kid that, you know, somebody took his ball and I don't get it. <laughs> So no Pearl Jam, and you know, okay, they fight Ticketmaster. Cool, I'll give them that. And they write their own stuff. So hey, they're above Joe Cocker too. Fuck Joe Cocker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last one, the the final nail in my coffin that will make sure we lose all of our listeners is Bruce Springsteen. No, I'm with you on this one. I um, I am 100 with you on this one. I don't. I, I mean, the only song of his I can name is Born in the USA. Yep. And I feel like there was a time in my life where I was young and, you know, I, I f- had more patriotic feelings than I do today. And I feel like Bruce Springsteen was probably pretty cool. But I, I can't name a single other song. Uh, he doesn't have a bad voice. He seems musically talented, but like I didn't grow up in that era. I know a lot of people who love him. I don't get it. I mean, I I could take him or leave him. Uh, I I feel like he's a poor man's Billy Joel. I uh, my wife is a big fan of Bruce Springsteen, and she gets very upset when I say this. But Bruce Springsteen is dad metal. He is. You know, the factories are closed, the, you know, Vietnam and, you know, working at a bar and blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's dad metal with a heavy sax in the back. Yeah. And, and I, I like, I recognize that he's done a lot of good and, and he's very talented. But again, all three of my overrated, I think that they're incredibly talented and they have very big fan bases. I just don't get it. And I'm not part of them. Yeah, that's the same with my three, with the exception of Joe Cocker, who is not talented. <laughs> um, you know, U2 and Pearl Jam, they have contributed. Uh, and what was the other one I did? Who was it? Dave Matthews. Was oh, and Dave Matthews. They <laughs> have contributed. No, I'll even give this to Dave Matthews. They have contributed to, uh, you know, the musical industry. They have contributed create creatively. Uh, but I don't get it. I don't. The boat left and I wasn't on it. <laughs> That's fair. I, I will say one good thing for the Dave Matthews band. Um, 
their their song "Beautiful Day" was used in one of the best AMVs I've ever seen. Uh, Wasn't that was, you too, "Beautiful Day"? You, oh, damn! You're right. You two's "Beautiful Day." So you two's <laughs> "Beautiful Day." Was used in an AMV of the Animatrix that was really well done. I guess I don't have a good. I mean, there are good things to say about Dave Matthews, but I'm. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He'd probably yeah. be fun to roll a ball with, but <laughs> I just don't get him musically. All right. So, what's your honorable mention? My honorable mention is honestly most things before the late nineties. An example being, uh, just I I have a really hard time like listing examples here. Like there are, with few exceptions, all of my favorite music was made like after nineteen ninety five. With very few exceptions, uh, I, I I really love the Eagles. I really love Journey. There's a um, I, I like Sticks. There's a few bands from pre-1995 that I do enjoy, but the vast majority of the music that I like is mid-90s and forward. There's something about the audio recording quality and, and the whole thing about music from back then that I just don't get. Music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, by and large, I pff, I could just leave it. I'm good. You know, you were making fun of me because I have some admittedly strong opinions about a select few bands. You just wrote off 30 years of popular music. I did. And, like, there's always going to be exceptions, right? Like, I have a very varied music collection, and there's definitely stuff from from before the mid-90s that I really love. Rush's 20, album 2112 was one of my favorite albums. Fantastic album. Absolutely great album. And I definitely recognize that there is a ton of talent back then. But uh, unlike a lot of people that I grew up with, I did not get super hard into my parents' music. And I know a lot of people who did. You know, a ton of people who... Their favorite bands are from the 70s and 80s, and I, none of my favorite bands are from the 70s and 80s. I, I did not grow up absolutely loving my parents' music. I found some artists back from back then that I really enjoyed. Um, I, I'm particularly a huge can, uh, fan of Phil Collins, but by and large, I, I'm good. I can just leave all that music. Metallica and, and Pearl Jam and... Uh, Aerosmith. I'm good. That's that. That's my honorable mention hot take of overrated. I will see your hot take with another hot take. I disagree about the audio quality. Older stuff sounds better. I prefer newer stuff, but we're going to get into that. <laughs> All right. So now we're doing underrated. Yeah. All right. So I should start this list with freeze pop. But I'm not going to because when we were talking about adult fandoms, <laughs> I went on and on and on and on and on about freeze pop. So listen to that episode, and that will be like a fourth one. So my first real one is another Boston band. Gee, it's almost like I lived up there for a while or something. <laughs> the wonderfully named indie band Bang Camaro. Speaking of Boston, how do you feel about the Boondock Saints? 
It's a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. So, Ben Camaro. Wait, there's people who don't like the Boondock Saints? Uh, there's people who have never seen Boondock Saints. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Go see the Boondock Saints if you haven't. It's a very good movie. Um, Bang Camaro is uh, a fascinating indie glam rock hair metal band, I guess you would say. I, I don't know how to classify them. Uh, let me tell you their makeup. <laughs> they have a bassist. They have a drummer. They have two guitarists. And they have a lead singer. This all sounds pretty normal, right? Typical five-piece rock band. Yeah. But what makes Bang Camaro interesting is that they also have what they call the choir, which is a contingent of eight to 12 backup vocalists. Huh. And they do most of the singing along with the lead singer. Most of their songs are about uh, sex, rock and roll, and drinking, and playing rock and roll in order to drink more and have sex. (laughs) They have two albums out, Bang Camaro and Bang Camaro 2. (laughs) Uh, Also, their first single off of Bang Camaro was the song Bang Camaro. (laughs) So you get the song Bang Camaro by the band Bang Camaro off of the album Bang Camaro. (laughs) It's amazingly Uh, Indian. I love it. A few of their uh, members, either past or present, I don't know uh, currently, worked for Harmonix. So all their stuff is in rock band, which is how I got affiliated with them. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a fun guitar hook, a chorus, a guitar solo, a chorus, a bridge, a chorus, another guitar solo, end of song. And it's every one of their songs. That's amazing. But they kind of have that 80s sort of white snake, uh, you know, uh, uh, hair metal, glam, poison, that sort of thing, to the point where as I was listening to them on my, our Alexa the other day, and the wife came in, she's like, this is really good. Who are these guys? And I told her, and for the rest of the day, she was walking around humming their, their songs. Like, the hooks just get stuck in your head. That's so good. And there's nothing brilliant about them. There is nothing. I mean, the lyrics, you and I could come up with something similar in 15 minutes. But it just, with everything put together with the total package, it just works. And they're they're really kind of neat. Um, they list as their influences, you know, the usual Skid Row, Death Leopard, Dokken. But then they also take influence from Iron Maiden and then also Elvis and Buddy Holly. Of course they should. As you should. So, uh, Bang Camaro, they're fantastic. Uh, what they often tour the clubs in Boston. I don't know if they're opening back up up there with the COVID, but if they are, and if you could go see a show with Bang Camaro, by all means go, you will not regret it. Hell yeah. What's your first underrated? Uh, so this, this category was agonizing for me because most of the bands that I like are bands that inadvertently nobody else has ever heard of. Um, I generally might meet one other person who has heard of a band that I like. Full disclosure, I looked at your list. I have not heard of any of these. Yeah, so uh, this is not on purpose. I am not being a nasty hipster on purpose. Please, please, please go listen to these bands because I want to talk about them more. (laughs) Um, So the first one I chose uh, is Sail Ship. Uh, Sailship is the electronica music act uh, by the singer Mark Swickley. 
Uh, as far as I've been able to find, he has done nothing else. Uh, he, under Sailship, he did 23.5 songs, and that's it, between the years of 2009 and 2016. Uh, okay. He, he's got two EPs and a full-length album and then did a collaboration with Joe Dalton called uh, Ocean Waves. That's where the half song comes in. Uh, and it's fantastic. It's electronic. It's synth poppy. Uh, it's in that, that, that music genre that really got highlighted by Owl City back in the, the early 2000s. And uh, it's amazing. His l- lyrics are fantastic. He actually has some story threads that go through a bunch of different songs. If you listen close enough, they're all just ridiculous. Like uh, the the most like heart wrenching romantic song he has is about a werewolf falling in love. Like it's just ridiculous. Uh, so please, 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 please go listen to Sail Ship. It's amazing. And my wife and I are the only two people I know who have ever heard of them. Well, I will add them to the list. Mm-hmm. What's your second one? All right. Allow me to channel my inner Patrick Bateman here, my inner American psycho. Uh-huh. Because we are going to talk about the tremendous sensation that is Huey Lewis in the news. Uh-huh. Now, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Huey Lewis and the News was a mid-80s band, uh, and they really were riding the wave of MTV. Now, for some of our younger listeners, that's probably hard to believe, but MTV at one time was called Music Television. And it actually had music on it. And it actually had music on it, and it actually had this new thing called Music Videos. (laughs) Uh, And... Huey Lewis and the News' music videos were actually really, really clever. You know, they at the end of the day, it would all kind of go back to them playing a gig somewhere or all being together and jamming or something. But the way they got there, the story it told in each one of the music videos was very clever, and they were very well produced. Uh, they're another one. They have really, really catchy songs. Uh, 99% of people know Huey Lewis in the news from the Back to the Future soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Power of Love uh, was their big one. That was their first number one hit. Uh, in my opinion, it wasn't even the best song on the soundtrack. I like Back in Time myself. I uh, know. Power of Love is where it's at for me. Uh, but their greatest album is probably from 1983, and it's called Sports. <laughs> and this was fantastic. Uh, it has nothing to do with actual sports. The actual album cover, they're shooting pool. Um, but it was it went seven times platinum with RIAA. And it has a bunch of songs that you probably have heard of, but you didn't know was Huey Lewis in the news. You have The Heart of Rock and Roll. You have Heart and Soul. You have I Want a New Drug, uh, If This Is It. And then you have my personal favorite, Bad Is Bad. <laughs> which, like many Huey Lewis in the news songs, uh, just has a certain wisdom, a certain whimsy. Bad is bad has the great line, sometimes bad is bad. Like, sometimes <laughs> shit just sucks, and it is what it is. What are you going to do about it? Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Uh Likewise, in 1986, they released uh, the song that became famous because of American Psycho, 
Uh, it's hip to be square, <laughs> which basically, you know, talks about conformity, talks about wearing a suit, talks about getting up and going to work every day and says, that's okay. Like, why do we all have to be rebels? Why do we all have to be this? You know, you need to put food on the table. You need to have, raise your family. It's cool to be a quote unquote square. And seeing this played on MTV and played on the radio stations during the height of the 80s new wave progressive, you know, rebel against Reagan and all that music, it was really shocking. And it was really cool. Likewise, they have Working for a Living, which is kind of a pandering song, but, you know, it's something that everyone after three beers can relate to about, you know, working paycheck to paycheck and uh, this and that. And they have had longevity. I mean, they started in uh, the late 70s, early 80s. Like I said, sports was 1983. And then just maybe 10 years or so ago, uh, Huey Lewis was in a movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. And they did a version of Cruising. And basically, the movie was terrible. The whole plot of it was they were professional karaoke singers, <laughs> which apparently is a thing. Uh, but, you know, they had a comeback and they released uh, another album. Sadly, he has some kind of weird disease. He's actually losing his hearing. He's going deaf. Oh, no. So um, there's not going to be any more tours or albums probably for Huey Lewis in the news. But if you want a great picture of America in the 80s, and now I really sound like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, but if you want a great picture of America in the 80s and the struggle of conformity versus the new wave and everything... Listen to Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, it's really good. It's kind of mom rock. You know, women in the 80s liked him. He was very attractive. But it's good. It's catchy. They're very well put together. And the band stayed together for, like, ever. I mean, it was, like, the same five guys. So. Nice. What's your second? All right. So uh, my second one is The Spill Canvas. Uh, and The Spill Canvas is a... Uh, they're kind of like an alt-punk kind of emo band from the like mid-2000s. Uh, and they're still around today. They just came out with a new album fairly recently. It last, uh, last like three, four months. Um, but they're really good. And especially if you like that that whole genre in the, the mid-2000s. You know, that, that emo, pop-punk kind of thing. And... Uh, I got into them in high school. I had some friends who, you know, we, we were about as rebellious rebellious as you could get at a Catholic high school. I mean, there's only so rebellious you can get when you have to wear a dress code every day. Uh, so, um, you know, our rebellion was listening to all these weird emo bands. And uh, this book canvas is particularly good. And they dealt with a lot of really interesting topics that were kind of shocking to hear back then. You know, things like that they were singing about suicide. They were singing about, like, the loss of friends. And uh, I, my, my favorite thing to tell people about The Spill Canvas, and I still to this day, Mark, don't know how I got my hands on this and have okay. never been able to track it down. But my favorite song by The Spill Canvas is this song called Homesick. And you can listen to it on YouTube, and I've never been able to find it anywhere else. They've never officially released it. It's never been on one of their studio albums. It's never been on a live album or an acoustic album. I have not been able to find a way to legitimately purchase this. I got it given to me by a friend like 12 years ago on a thumb drive. No idea how they got it either. 
Uh, I, I've got a couple of these unreleased singles from this band, so it's probably the most underground thing that I know about. Uh, but they're fantastic, and the the dude, uh, n- the main singer is named Nick, and he just keeps releasing great music, and it's always fantastic. So uh, if, if you are looking for some recommendations, I definitely recommend checking out Homesick. Uh, the song Self Conclusion is really good. And uh, they just came out with a really good album. I think it's called Conduit. So uh, check them out. Spill Canvas. I'm going to add that to the list as well. Spill Canvas. All right, what's your third, buddy? My last one might be controversial because people are going to say these guys aren't underrated, but I'm going to explain to you why they are. And it's ZZ Top. It's you were the talking beards, about how- right? <laughs> no, no, no. Although we will talk about that briefly. Uh, you know, you had talked about how you didn't get hardcore into your parents' music. Uh, I did, but only about certain th- certain bands. And ZZ Top is one of those bands. <laughs> uh, but to me, they are cool for two reasons. Uh, number one, they have tried... They try anything. They play all different styles. They have released rock albums. They have released blues albums. They have released R&B style B.B. King in the 80s with like punk and dance rock things they actually had Paula Abdul choreograph one of their music videos oh, wow. so they can adapt whatever needs to be done they can do it and what works they stick with and what doesn't work they don't do anymore uh, they you know they've had a total of 15 studio albums so they any type of genre you like chances are at one point ZZ Top has done it what's also cool is they're the same three guys since 1969. <laughs> hey, Mark. Two of the three have beards. Ironically, Frank Beard, which is his real name, he does not have a beard. Uh, but two of the three have beards, and they come out, and they have these insane collections. I mean, Billy Gibbons has literally tens of millions. How about now? Yeah, I can hear you now. You dropped for a little bit. All right. What did, where, where did you lose? What did I lose you? Where did you lose me? Uh, I heard you come back with the same three guys, and one of their name is something beard. And now you dropped again. Oh, I think I'm back. I got kicked for a second, but I think I'm back. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Kicked completely that second time. Where were we at? What what, what did you hear? Uh, So you were talking about, I think the last thing I heard was the same three guys. Okay, yeah. So we'll pick up there. So what's really cool about them is they're the same three guys since 1970. You have Billy Gibbons, you have Dusty Hill, and you have Frank Beard, who ironically is the only one of the three that does not have a beard. (laughs) Uh, And they have been touring since 1970, and they just have this cool vibe about them. I mean, they're just cool guys, and they just don't, they're not pretentious. They, They, you know, they're three guys from Texas, and they know it. The last time I went to see them, they came out and, you know, Wilkes-Barre, people often butcher the pronunciation of the name. They did a whole bit on the pronunciation of the name and 
how they, you know, they aren't going to get involved in the debate. And they said, we've been coming here since 1975, and we're the same three guys, and we're still playing the same three chords. <laughs> and that's how they started their concert, and the place just blew, because they just are cool. Uh, Billy Gibbons also has one of the greatest collections of guitars in the world. It's valued in the tens of millions of dollars. Whoa. But what's cool about it is he tours with them, and he plays them. That's they amazing. don't sit in his house. They don't collect dust. They go out on tour, and they play with them. So, uh, you know, they're, they're just really neat. Uh, and their whole look, you know, they have the beards. They have the Stetson hats. Uh, Billy Gibbons was offered a million dollars to the... Uh, for himself if he would shave his beard live on TV, and he said no. <laughs> Just because that's all part of the gimmick, that's all part of the thing. So uh, ZZ Top, you know, I mean, pretty much anything, you know, Legs, Give Me All Your Lovin', Sharp Dress Man, you name it, they're just they're great songs. And they have great music videos, too. Their stuff from the 80s is really cool, especially with Eliminator, you know, that Ford Coupe that's all decked out with the ZZ Top logo and everything. Nice. And we'll end on this. Do you know how they got their name? No. They were asked in an interview when they were a smaller band what they would name their cereal if they had a cereal named after them. And they came up with ZZ Top. Huh. And that was their band name. I mean, it's a pretty good cereal name. Right? I would buy it. All right. uh, What is your honorable mention before I go into my last one? Uh, I'll do it quickly. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult, just for the simple fact they are a great band that has now become a joke thanks to a Will Ferrell skit. Yeah, but Don't Fear the Reaper is a great song. It's a great song, song. but they have a lot of other great songs. They do. But go ahead. All right. So my last one uh, is somebody that I found myself just constantly listening to in the last couple of years. Uh, and that is Dessa. You ever heard of Dessa? I can't say I have. Uh, have you ever heard of the podcast Welcome to Night Vale? I have. Uh, so normally we don't plug other podcasts, but Night Vale's big enough they don't need our advertisements. So um, Night Vale has a segment on it uh, where they feature um, a song from a band. And so I got introduced to Dessa and a bunch of other really interesting bands through Night Vale. And uh, Dessa is amazing. Uh, they featured her song um, Call Off Your Ghost, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Dessa is a really amazing hip-hop artist, uh, probably my favorite rapper in the industry at this point. And uh, she's also part of the Doomtree Collective, so uh, if you find that you're not as big of a fan of Dessa as I am, definitely check out Doomtree because uh, her collaborations with them are all fantastic. Um, but she's got just a, a, an amazing range. She sings melodically. She raps. Uh, she's got a really good ear for beats. Uh, she did this amazing collaboration with the Minnesota Orchestra where they recorded a bunch of her music uh, against a full band. And all of her raps still worked and were actually hauntingly beautiful, backed by a full band orchestra. So uh, highly recommend it. My favorite album from her is Chime. Uh, and it's just amazing. She's kick-ass. She doesn't pull any punches. Uh, she you know, talks about uh, what it's like being a woman in the rap industry and, and some of her difficulties growing up in that, in that kind of atmosphere. But she's 
fantastic. I can't signal booster enough. My my honorable mention is my guilty pleasure. Uh, it's a band that I almost don't. I almost never recommend them to anybody, just because they're so synth poppy that anytime I played them for other people, they're like, "What the hell is this? This sucks." So. Uh, but they're my guilty pleasure. I love them unabashedly. It's a band called The Title. Uh, you were talking about the the British invasion, and they are a British band. So <laughs> okay, I guess I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, so the title is amazing. Uh, they've got this really great song called Plectronics, which they actually actually have two versions of, and is fantastic. Um, but th- there's just so many good songs by the title, and they. They, they were part of this kind of movement in the mid to late 2000s of uh, electronic synth pop bands that were, instead of releasing full-length albums, they were just more regularly releasing EPs. Uh, so the, the title has a ton of really accessible EPs for you to just pick up and listen to. They're amazing. So that's my honorable mention. So there you have it, folks. We have many, many, many spicy takes. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we're going to lose a listener or two over this, but please just recognize that these are our opinions. Uh, And, of course, you know, if you like these bands or you've never heard of them, even the ones we rate overrated, go out and listen to them and check them out because music is amazing and everybody should be listening to music all the time. It's true. Uh, Vary your palate, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Exactly. But uh, that kind of closes us out for the week. Uh, Listeners, we want to thank you, of course. Uh, Some of you have been with us since the beginning, and we're now in season three, which is insane. Uh, You know, something that was just a little hobby to to let Mark and I hang out for an hour or two a week uh, has turned into something pretty cool, and I'm really happy about it. Who's cutting the onions in here? I know, right? Um, so we are on a billion different podcast platforms. Uh, you know, the big ones, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, uh, Listen Notes keeps uh, uh, updated for us. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind and you like our show, go out and give us a rating on iTunes. Save us on Spotify. It really helps us kind of get the word out about the podcast. Uh, I mean, it, maybe not give us a rating after this episode if you like one of those bands we talk about. Yeah, go wait, back, a, wait a week. Go back and listen to Wives and Whiskey or podca- uh, or Pokemon <laughs> Part 1, uh, which weirdly seem to be the most popular episodes. So. Yeah, I, you know, hey, consistently the guest episodes seem to be more popular, so I don't know what that says about us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My personal favorite was the episode on drag racing. So uh, if, you're, if you're just getting into it with Season 3, go back and listen to that in Season 2. Um, we release uh, here wherever you're, <laughs> right into your ears every uh, Friday morning. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, right into your ears every Friday. We're here. Yeah. Like clockwork, like pure clockwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, do you know what uh, you have any ideas for next week? Oh, Jesus, no. Um, hang on. I have the list here. Uh... Well, we, you know, we have a few, a few things we can do here. We have, uh, we could start Prohibition and Whiskey, which we know is going to be a Mm two-parter. We can uh, 
discuss another round of the console wars, which I believe is going to take us to the PS2 original Xbox GameCube. We can do another part of our D&D topic because, you know, full disclosure to the listening audience, we are in a series of one-shots in our D&D world here. So we could discuss a one-shot versus a long campaign and the pros and cons, because there are pros and cons to both, and you do have to play them differently. Mm. So we can discuss that as well. Uh, Or, you know, if you just want me to nerd out for 45 minutes and you want a week off, I can discuss Formula One. We could probably bring Nick in as a guest, since I've corrupted him with F1 and whiskey. (laughs) We could, but I also just looked at the calendar, Mark, and I realized that we've only got one more episode to release before the end of June. Oh, yes, so you're I th- right. I think that actually dictates what our next episode is going to be. I think it does. So, so I think we're going to have Pride and Whiskey. It is. So, yeah, uh, next week, Pride and Whiskey. I have some work to do for prep this week. Also, holy shit, I cannot believe it's the end of June already. I know. It kind of blew my mind. I thought we had so much more time. but yeah. I thought we had another week. I legit did. But, I, no, this is good. Too. So, yeah, next week is going to be Pride and Whiskey. Uh, You have all of those other topics to look forward to, though, listener, because we are going to cover as much of those as possible this season. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Uh, Now, obviously, you know, we don't have, even at the end of season three, we won't have 50 episodes. But as Podbean likes to remind me every week when I check our numbers, we are rapidly approaching 50 pieces of released content Uh would we want to do a special for 50 we'll say 50 episodes even though they're not yeah why not so you have that this is going to be number 43 when it comes out this week so in seven weeks (laughs) mark it down our 50th episode spectacular Uh, i can't wait that's going to be so cool 50 episodes that's that's bonkers who the hell would have thunk it I know, right? And assuming that our houses don't get burned down because of our opinions on music this week, we'll get to that. Exactly. Um, But, of course, we always want to thank Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. Uh, We're going to send you to his SoundCloud in our show notes, so make sure you go check him out. His music is just awesome, and it seems seems telling to to be uh, referencing his music on an episode about music. So make sure you go out there and check it out. Uh, give it give it a once more over if you uh, haven't yet, and it, it's just great. We love you, Nuno, and we're sorry for our opinions today. Yeah, I, I'm sure Nuno has uh, opinions that differ. Um, we love you still, buddy. We do. Don't judge us too hard. Yeah, exactly. But until next week, cheers. Salud. freaking glass. If we're going to do an episode and a half, I need more whiskey.